Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Now, with a wave of new pros coming onto the scene in the last few years, Limerick fighter Jamie Morrissey is among the most interesting of the new crop. He's clearly willing to fight anyone going by his record against by going by his record across five bouts to date. He's up for testing himself, already claiming two BUI Celtic titles against unbeaten opponents. And his pre and post fight interviews alert you to a thoughtful, intelligent man who seems to be on a mission from God. Now, Jamie, there's an intro for you. One of the Blues Brothers from Limerick making noise in the pro ranks. You're on a mission from God. How, how are you doing, Jamie? Welcome to the show. My man, what an intro, man. Now, I tell you what, you gave me a lift there with that intro, but uh, absolutely, I suppose. Uh, I believe I am 100% on a mission from God, man, but I'm just, uh, I'm very, very aware that I feel that he's at the wheel, that I'm uh, I'm, I'm not capable of guiding myself really any, to anything, but I'm happy to give give God the the, the control of my life. That's what I'm trying to do, and uh, I'm trying to do do what I believe is a, uh, yeah, something a little bit bigger than myself. So just very, very grateful. And in, uh, an intro like that, I'm extremely grateful for that. It was a class intro to have to motivate me. And just, yeah, happy to be on the show, man. Thank you. Well, no bother. Like in the last couple of weeks on the show, like we've had very experienced professionals. We've like Dennis Hogan recently. And, you know, you, you see the 36th fight career he's had around the world a couple of weeks back. back. You know, Steve Collins fought all over the world. And and you're at the you're at the opposite end of your career. You're just just a beginner, just beginning really. No real amateur boxing background to speak of. Five fights in the pro ranks, but you're making noise and you're making them count, Jamie. Yeah, thank you, mate. Um, like I said, yeah, I always back myself in the sense of I like. I think what really stood to me getting into kickboxing, I've done all right kickboxing uh, domestically, and I've done okay so far in boxing. Is just uh, a lot of people give people unnecessary credit for being supermen just because they're pro or they have these records or whatever. I know that these men aren't supermen, so I'm willing to test myself against the best and uh, and give it my all and. Uh, Thank God, um, it's 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 worked out extremely well so far, and not extremely well, but well. I'm in a position where uh, I have a lot to fight for. Still, I really have a lot to fight for. My mission is uh, alive and well, man, and uh, the future looks bright and exciting. So, uh, thank God for that. But uh, like you said, uh, I have a I have a probably a rare enough record in the sense of the competition I fought for for my first five fights, three hundred feet of records and stuff like that. But um, yeah, risk, risk, there's reward for risk. So that's what we're aiming to do. We've uh, we've been able to move fast based on uh, taking maybe riskier fights at times. 
but I have a good team around me, a good good team to advise me. Sean Kelly, my coach, been brilliant in that sense. And uh, here we are, man. Risk screams rewards. So uh, thank God for where we are. What an opportunity, you know, in three weeks, man, to really solidify my place as a one of the leading fighters in the country, one of the most, one of the most decorated for sure. If I can acquire a third belt, there's no dispute in that. Um, yeah, so your next fight is a rematch of your last one. Uh, you went up again, it was a Limerick versus Kerry clash, Take took place in Belfast. We knew it was going to be one of the fights of the year before it went down. And uh, so it proved at the Europa Hotel, Jamie Morrissey beating Kerry's Kevin Cronin by a point on the referee's card to win the BUI title. Sweet victory for you. Absolutely, man. Uh, Really was absolutely a great fight, and, and what I'm my own worst critic. But like my manager said to me, shout out Ian Gochran, great guy, great manager. John Proof is in a pudding with him, he's killing the game. But as he said to me, there's something sweet about this one, and there was like we had it out there, we had a war, and to come out on top of it, that is a special thing. So praise God. Why why offer a, a rematch? Is it because of the platform, because it takes pe- takes place in the south? Obviously, you're going up against Kevin Cronin in a rematch at Leisureland in Galway on April the 21st. Is it just because it was close? Because it was such an entertaining fight? Did you have an agreement in the ring that if it's tight, you know, we'll we'll do it again? What was the motivation for you? Just I, the offer? Or... I didn't win a world title. I didn't win a world title, man. I won a Celtic title. I'm still broke. I'm still chasing my dreams, still living in a situation I don't want to be. I'm grateful for everything I have, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be. So why slow down? I didn't win a world title. I didn't complete my life's mission. I didn't do nothing. So I'm another step to put the foot in front of the other and keep pushing on. And that's all it is, man. Um, thank God it's as soon as it is. Or maybe it might be nice to take a few more weeks off after a fight, but is what it is. I have another opportunity to acquire a European ranking, to acquire a new belt, to uh, another professional belt to the, to the ones I have, thank God. And uh, like I said, it's it's another opportunity to put one foot in front of the other, so I'm not going to turn it yeah. down. This is for the Irish title now in the rematch. That's correct. It's for the Irish title, which, which carries a ranking in Europe, which is uh, Mount Water. Is there anything you can improve on to win more clearly in the rematch? Obviously, Cronin's Cronin's going to be feeling the exact same that he can take you over the, the longer distance of ten rounds. He was he had a good finish to the last fight. You had a great start uh, enough to enough to win you the fight. What's what do you think is going to be the key difference in the rematch? Um, that's that's probably not the wisest thing to talk about right now. But I have a lot I need to improve on. Man. A lot I need to improve on. But it's about uh, it's about identifying those things and, and making moves on it. So. Uh, I, I believe it has the potential to be a great fight in saying that it has the potential not to go the distance as well um, regardless it's going to be entertaining Kevin proved he's a warrior and I've proved more than once I'm a warrior and uh, yeah man I think a lot of eyes are going to be on this one it's a great fight man and look I'm just I feel that uh, a picture came up I made my debut uh, around this time only two years ago so I'm moving quick I'm grateful for that like I said I'm not at the wheel God is in full control um, it's about let God step into the position of control and that's what I'm doing and I feel that uh, yeah I'm just hungry so in answering your question in short I haven't won a world title I'm, I'm still uh, very much at the bottom of the ladder so it's time to keep moving Didn't you make your debut was it in Spain Jamie uh, on like one of those COVID shows when the the, the Boxing Ireland crew went abroad was it, is that, is that what it was? It was Luxembourg, my man. Luxembourg Luxembourg yeah, yeah. Weirder again to be honest very weird situation about in the sense of just it was a really kind of trying to get a show uh, probably not your romantic view of what professional boxing entails and uh, a good eye-opener as to what uh, what potentially could have awaited over the next five years I'm really not in this fight to pay for uh, in this game to pay for opponents and I'm really not in this game to continue ling- like I to continue lingering around and not making moves uh, my friend so it's about if opportunities come I'm willing to take them 
I'm really willing to take him. And like, I actually only started fighting uh, after college. I finished college 22 and I walked into kickboxing gym just out of a disillusion where I was going in life. I just, uh, I suppose chasing more of a thrill in life. And, you know, I, I had acquired a political science degree and I, uh, I suppose could have gone into public admin or anything like this. And I went into the kickboxing gym. I remember walking past Robert N.G. Era Museum, the gym in Limerick, a Thai boxing gym, and just hearing kind of music I liked and looking in and just liking the vibe. So that place just stuck out to me head, in my head. Looking back, it was probably God speaking to me. I said, let's go back there. And within three months, I had my first fight. So I only, I only started fighting as an amateur kickboxer at 22, through my first uh, punch and train at 22. So um, I started late. I'm now 28. I mean, I've I've done okay for myself, but I have to keep moving, man. I don't, honestly don't believe I'll be in my prime until well into my early to mid thirties. Uh, but I have to keep moving, nonetheless. I'm not this game to kind of. I'm really not here to, like I said at the very start, to make up numbers or to linger about. I'm here to to really go after my mission. Is there a way? Like you ran for local council, didn't you? Limerick City West, uh, 2019. You're a candidate uh, for Limerick City's working class and youth. Uh, an unsuccessful bid, obviously 191 votes. I think you tallied up, and you had a go though. You know, you you're using your UL political science uh, degree, and that yeah. was that was your way of connecting. What what inspired you to go for that? And like my next question is going to be: Do you see boxing as your way now of, of of finding the same goals? You know, connecting with the working class, connecting with the youth. But first of all, like what inspired you to to run for politics? Obviously, you did your degree. I'm happy you asked that. Um, someone who's been on my mind lately is my friend uh, Jamie Higgins. Going back, I think five years now. His anniversary was recently at our St. Patrick's Day. I believe it was five years. Just shout out to Jade Mack and his son Jade. But uh, honestly, it was it was it was just a romantic a romantic view I had of changing the world. I suppose being young and and full of beans and getting my political science degree. But prior to my May passing away, he had been telling everyone that I was going to one day be. Um, he had been, people had said to me even at his funeral look he said that you were going to be uh, like the best politician in Limerick or a big politician in Limerick and that's what that's essentially that's what really made me to make the decision 191 votes sounds very bleak but trust me in terms of local election that is really not bad for a first uh, for a first cut office um, and I, I beat a lot of people um, but in saying that I was looking back at it now it was not short of a uh, it was irrational and a completely romanticized view of what I was capable of at the time. However, I learned a lot from it and it was in relation to my late friend and uh, I believe, yeah, trying to, trying to live up to what his, uh, his beautiful uh, perception of what I could be was. He was just one of these guys that was too good for, he was, uh, he was really close to my little brother and it affected everyone in the group hugely. Uh, he was just a special individual. He went to my, I went to quite a, a posh school in truth and, uh, he was uh, like Jamie was. What's the best way to put it? He would have been from a dis- disadvantaged area, and he would have been uh, a, an inner city guy. But just a heart that I can't describe. But he came up around. He came up in a tough, tough way, and his heart was just indescribable. Like we've lost a few good ones. Shout out to my mate Wayne Colbert and his beautiful son Brooklyn, and then people like Kevin Shee, David Johnson. I know these people were good people, and Jamie was no different. He was just there was something extremely special about his heart. And I honestly believe God only takes the good and, and uh, he's gone from this existence. I know in my heart that there's another stop after this. I know uh, there's another stop. So he's looking down. Uh, it's about making him proud, but he is, you asked why I went for politics. Uh, he is actually, that is fact, that is a reason. I can remember even the top patterns in my head um, inspired by him. So like that, that was an inspiration for, for one attempt at a connection with people as is that still something that motivates you as a sportsman to connect with 
to connect with young people, to connect with working class people, to connect uh, to the memory of your friends that you've lost. Well, look, look, yeah, exactly, man. I could have, I could have uh, taken a, a a very steady, a very solid route in terms of going into public administration or some uh, a boring occupation like that. However, I still, I still do have a romantic view of what I can achieve in life and uh, the difference I can bring about. Limerick City is a city that is honestly, um, it's a place I love with all my heart. Even though I plan on moving away, I know it, I'll end up back there. I believe that. It has a way of pulling you back because we love it. I love the character. I love everything about that city. But it is a tough place to grow up, a tough place to come up. Um, and it needs a lot of help. So it needs a lot of, yeah, it does. It, it needs a lot of um, attention and it needs romantic dreamers. So that, that, that is what I'm holding close to me still. I still have a very romantic view of what I can achieve in life. There's and, something. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. There's something quite romantic about Limerick's boxing pedigree because if you look at some of the retired guys from the last decade like Andy Lee is the first traveller world champion uh, and before him Willie Casey European champion you know like the South Hill Southpaw inspired a generation of people inspired a generation of fighters you look at um, you look at Kevin Sheehy and all the good he did for his area before he was taken too young and the people he the, his colleagues and friends that he's still inspiring we had a previous podcast with Paddy Paddy Donovan who wants to you know honour the memory of his friend every day Um and then the lads, your peers, uh, like Gray McCormick, we, he's he's been in trouble in his in his youth, and now he's now he's turned his life around, you know, and he, he's challenging for challenging for titles and speaking speaking out on, you know, minding yourself. And and you look at then even Lee Reeves as well, like he volunteers on you know suicide watch on on the river and and looks after people. And there's something like all of you Limerick boxers are kind of fighting for a bit more of a cause than just personal glory. Yeah, um, yeah. Now that you say that, man, you're right. When I go through all these people, I want to add in a few more people. Faisal Azimi, another. I believe that he's doing uh, incredible work for the Middle Eastern community. He's a top, uh, a business partner of mine, one of my best mates, and uh, a top world class kickboxer who's now Irish champion at 63 kg. Then you have Keen Hederman, another guy from South Hill, a top top amateur. Honestly, a guy I believe he's world class, and he is uh, now really. Representing Kevin Sheehy correctly and uh, being a great role model up in South Hill. Um, he's another guy, and even a young fella I brought up in Belfast today, Thomas Spurn, another exceptional young fella uh, who's, who's motivating kids of his own age, 15, 16. So, uh, like you said, yeah, there's like pressure makes diamonds and and uh, tough times breed, I suppose, hard men. And I suppose we all are fighting for, for something else. Graham, Lee, the Donovans. Jason, all these people are honestly just great people, man. And like uh, Lee motivates me, Graham motivates me, all these people motivate me. So to be considered or mentioned amongst them, something I'm very proud of. And like, I'm just chasing memories and chasing dreams that I'll be able to tell my son about or tell my grandkids about and something I'll be able to look back in the pictures and say, look, I lived a life worth living. So that's what I'm looking to do. And and uh, yeah, sometimes it's about stopping smelling the rose. I don't know if I do that enough, but having conversations like this with you would definitely help. Yeah, like I, I would have... Oh, but I hope so. All right, yeah, because you know it's 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 quite a remarkable career. Five fights in, and you've worn many hats as well. Previously, you presented a podcast as well, Underdog Psychosis, and um, a, bit, a show about you you culture. I listened into a couple episodes as well, and and like you're kind of coming up with your episodes, and the amount of representation you had from the Limerick hurlers as well was was hard to avoid. Like the likes of Keen Lynch, Kyle Hayes, William O'Donoghue, you know, episodes with these lads, like heroes to a generation of uh, Limerick people and you know sports fans all over Ireland, and I guess. The, the overarching point I'm making as well is to maybe the youth and the working class as well, the boxers that I've just mentioned previously a couple of months, a couple of moments ago, 
are kind of doing the same. But did you did you enjoy the podcast? And you seem to have the gift of the gab as well. You'd be a natural for it, I would have thought. Thank you, mate. No, I love the podcast, man. I absolutely loved it. In true, like with politics and with my podcast and stuff, I just wasn't living a life at the time that was um, that was fair to my listeners in terms of my 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 intentions and my interests. My mission is always pure. My art is pure. I know it is. Um, I'm 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 nothing but true God. I'm something. I know that my intentions are are pure. But at the time, I just wasn't. I I don't know. I just wasn't. I loved the podcast, and that podcast was a ten, and it was a, a really good viewership at a certain point, a really good one. Uh, because it was, it was funny, it was humorous, and it was real, and it was authentic, and uh, it was, it was, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident if I held it, held its consistency, it would be um, a well recognised podcast domestically, at least at this stage. But um, I just feel, in terms of my political thing, uh, running for politics again, or in terms of podcasts, I wasn't living a life credible to represent people that was struggling with mental health. So I don't drink or smoke anymore. I was drinking, I was partying a lot. I was uh, I was getting in trouble with the law, and that's just the truth of it. I was bold enough, and I wasn't uh, to 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 continue to to do the podcast or continue to even run for politics or something like that again. It was just not doing myself justice or not doing people who support me justice. So I became disenchanted with my romantic view of what I can attain in life for a while. I was like, I know I want this in my heart, in my heart. I know that I want to do right by people. I want to help people. I want to help people in Limerick. But I just didn't feel like I was the leader that, that I set out to be based on my behavior and what and certain situations I got myself into. But I went through a year or two of still grafting, still grinding, still holding on to this view of what I can attain. But uh, somewhere deep down inside me was like, oh, look, man, like I just couldn't shake off some, some uh, situation I'd landed myself in and some perceptions I had of myself. And God changed that all for me. So, here I am before, you know, more motivated by ever with a mission that's realer than any other mission I've ever had. So, um, yeah, that's the story. Did you need to get, uh, so you're kind of describing a time in, in life when you're a dreamer, you've got ideals and you've got morals and ideals, but you're, you feel like you're not living, living true to them. Yes. Did, did you need to get it? Did you need to get to grips with them? Um, Cause you've come out and stated that you've got a uh, pure OCD um, now it's it's a obsessive compulsive disorder, obviously, but I'm not I'm not too familiar with pure OCD and the meaning of it. Might you uh, might you explain to the listeners what it means and how you got to grips with it? How you got to um before you get to talk about how you get to grips with it, but maybe how it got to grips with you. Oh man, I I can't I can't personify how torturous that 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 illness is. Now that we're lived in a generation consumed with with a uh, negatively bleakness and. Uh, and mental instability, essentially, but pure OCD had me from when I can remember going through depressive episodes as not short of a child. Um, but every day as a child, it would affect me. I'd get out of bed in the morning, do the same thing. Um, rituals, just things that I never batted an eye with until early adolescence. It got pretty much out of control. I became obsessed with numerology. I became um, obsessed with the fear of contamination. Different things like this. So essentially what OCD is, is an overproduction of adrenaline that leads to irrational reasons as to why you feel that way that you create in your mind. Uh, and in turn, uh, you do stupid things to nullify uh, an adrenal state, essentially. So it just you know, completely consumed me for a large, large period of my life. My life was, in truth, I'm, a, I'm such a happy person. I'm, I'm a grateful person. I have such a good family, such good people around me. And But life was 
in truth, not really enjoyable for nearly all of my life uh, because it was just, there was never a second where I had mental peace or mental stability. There just wasn't. Um, there was always an intrusive thought, horrible intrusive thought I suffered my whole life. Uh, rituals I'd have to, I'd have to do every day. A complete obsession with numerology, colours, uh, things that men like thinking that a song on the radio coming on could have significance. OCD is absolute and utter insanity. It's absolute utter insanity. However, it, you can be as aware as you want about it. You can know every symptom. You can know everything to rectify it. There is no cure, and there's not you could you can do to stop it, even though you know it's irrational. You still close that door, not two times, not uh, but three times, or whatever ritual you have, just to nullify this adrenal state. And uh, there's nothing you can really do to stop it. So I just want to raise awareness for that also. It's not short of torture and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I really wouldn't, man. It's a bad one. And it's, and it's actually ranked, it's ranked by the WHO in the, uh, the top 10 most debilitating mental or physical illnesses there is. Honestly, it's it's just, it is torture. And I made a lot of the best days of my life that people would think are the best days of my life. Just just not enjoyable. And because I've, I honestly have had it since childhood, I became incredible at wearing a mask uh, or, or that inc- just really good at disguising it. Um, my fiance Sophie is, is had helped me usually with it. Um, but a lot of my closest mates used to identify some patterns and be like, yeah, man, what, what is that about? But there is no explaining it to their mind that does not have OCD. But when you are diagnosed with it, when you take certain approaches and start to learn that it's not like uh, that you have these crazy symptoms that are shared by thousands of other people worldwide, it is. It, it makes it a bit more understandable. However, it is. It is honestly just. Yeah, it's. It, it makes. It makes peace almost impossible to to attain when you're when you're not struggling with pure OCD. It's never not there. Yeah. And it, it creates a, a state of nearly constant anxiety. Is that correct? Yeah, and just the fatigue I suffered with my whole life. I can't. I can't personify it, man. It was just a constant state of of, of real fatigue. Um, there's a boxer from the USA who went to the Olympics, uh, Ginny Fuchs. I think she's the she's the only boxer I can find who's on the record as as suffering from OCD, and 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 you're there now. So I'm sure it's it's important to hear your testimony of suffering from it. Is it something that um, affected your boxing or your training in any way? Did you get temporary? Did you get relief from becoming a sportsman at the age of 22? You know, absolutely, man. But it was as a roll of the dice what way my OCD was going to affect me in the sense of I've had days. I lost my Irish title. I had days fighting on ESPN as a kickboxer where I could just not hold my hands up in a state of mental fatigue. Um, so it affected me usually in that sense. It affected my just general enjoyment in life. But of course, like the sense of actually being an athlete, moving all the time, that helped. That helped a little bit. Like, but um, it certainly affected performance many a time. And uh, you you mentioned it's an it's an incurable condition, uh, but. What are what are the means that you use of uh, treating it? Do you get counselling? Do you take uh, you take drugs for it, or is it is it your your finding of uh, God? That's that's I had, set you free. I had um, I had I went on medication for two weeks or so. I threw that into the train tracks, but my house didn't like what way I felt off it. And I believe that that is an epidemic of itself. How quick these doctors give out these things is not short of a disgrace. Um, they are no good and I don't believe they're a long-term solution. However, for some people, they are absolutely necessary. So don't get me wrong. Um, secondly, there is no cure for OCD uh, in mainstream science, they say. Uh, maybe there is, but they're certainly not. Uh, they don't have it on the market anyway. Um, so I had gone to, I'd done everything really from, like, yeah, speaking, counsellors, 
um, all these kind of different things, psychologists, medication. However, nothing short going up in about six weeks ago, after my last bout, I was giving my testimony at mass. And like, listen, uh, Jesus Christ, we are in, like, whether people want to know it or not, or whether people want to believe it, like the, the, the tactical cover-up of the existence of not only God, but also even dark spiritual forces has been probably the most uh, powerful and effective tool of probably the people that uh, hold the control and hold the means of production. That if they can control your perception of what's possible, they can control your, everything. And uh, people don't realize the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings. He is the living God. And it is so, so real. And nothing else in my life really matters but my relationship with him in terms of how important that is with me, uh, to me. And uh, I was just giving my testimony at my at my church one night. And then we said, look, they said, honestly, leading up to that day, healing had been, had been on my heart. The last year or so with OCD, I've been unbearable, absolutely unbearable. I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Um, I had just OCD to the point of just constant, constant high, high anxiety. And uh, just just a life really, uh, at times, I just, I wasn't sure if I wanted to wake up in the morning. That's just the truth. It wasn't, it was rough. And uh, enjoyment really wasn't there. Um, but leading up to this night, my testimony, um, I had healing was kind of put in my heart. We were taking communion uh, kind of backstage essentially I'm praying just like God would would, uh, would guide my words that night and anyone that was speaking was back down someone just said a fellow I went to school with who was the most rational he's actually a counsellor himself said look I, I just have to say healing is on my heart and someone's going to be healed and after I spoke I felt I spoke well that night um, I just said I, I gathered I gathered that fellow Lloyd Horgan um, what a guy and a fellow called Mac a Filipino mate I said, lads, you have to pray at me right now. I believe I can be healed. And that night I felt it lift off me. Um, now I still feel, I still feel intrusive thoughts. I feel, I feel the darkness whispering in my ear. And I believe that a lot of people, what people struggle with it is, it is tactical darkness. They want to break us, like, you know, uh, they don't want us um, operating as our highest selves. But my anxiety is gone. My depressive states are gone, completely gone. I was healed that night. I felt it lift off me. And like I said, there's a scripture that says, he who the sun set free is free indeed. Throughout scripture, we know that Jesus is a healer. And the only thing that blocks that for miracles in anyone's life is uh, is faith. Just have faith and it, and it is all possible. That is no my mission in life. Uh, places like Limer City, places like Ireland that suffer uh, at the extent in which they do. Um, there is real darkness at play from uh, from entertainment right through to politics. There's darkness at hand. There's darkness at play. And the only answer is the living God, Jesus Christ. So, that is now my mission and to be someone that maybe is a little bit more relatable uh, than particularly like as what we would experience in the past, maybe a Catholic priest. Um, I want to I want to strive to attain a platform where I can spread his truth and show people what he's done in my life because my life has become um, over the last while since um, not only a life, a life worth living, but so, so just incredibly exciting in comparison to the difficulties I was facing. Yeah, I suppose some of the most influential boxers in history have been uh, almost like uh, born again, almost like pre preacher states, almost like uh, like you look at George Foreman, you know, yeah. came back came back to boxing after many years. Uh, would he be a hero of yours? Even Katie Taylor, the way she's so um, she's so overt in the way she quotes the scriptures and the way she's you know she doesn't deny her faith. She speaks she speaks passionately about it, and it's a cornerstone, I guess, in her boxing career and always has been. Yeah, and like yeah, Katie's a big inspiration of mine. Obviously, what a woman. 
And uh, but like even Foreman, like Foreman, how he came to God was a real supernatural experience backstage. I think after a fight, and I've I've had similar experiences, man. I really have experienced the presence of God. I've experienced God talking to me, and it's just my job today. I, I just anyone who's listening to me, it is that real. He is the healer. He is the redeemer. Anything you're facing, he's not gonna like if he gives you a miracle and you haven't asked him for it, you're gonna think that that you did that, that you did that, that you did that, and that's gonna even that's gonna drive you further from God. He wants to be essentially your father. You're meant to walk in fellowship with him, but ask him for ask him for help in your situation. Ask him to get you out of that hole. Ask him for your dreams and watch them come to you. He just wants you to ask to reveal him and he'll reveal himself. He's a reward of those who diligently seek him. So just seek him, lads. It's so, so real. And we are in the last days. I want people to know God because uh, life without it, I'll never thirst again. I'll never drink again. I'll never smoke um, marijuana or anything that will, that will, uh, that will alter my 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 mindset or, or uh, my Jay, connection uh, with Jamie. This, come on now. With this, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I have a drink jo- once. Oh, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love the man. I love my whole life, but I just like Jesus said, he who drinks from this well will never thirst. I don't thirst anymore. Man. I'm just uh, thank God for what He did in my life. And like the miracle, some people will say, "Why haven't I been healed? I'm struggling with this or that." Have faith that there's something bigger coming. Is is do not lean on your own understanding. I just want people to know it is that real. So Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? I suppose, uh, given you know, given you have this compulsion which you know feeds negative thoughts, dark thoughts into you. Yeah. But also, given given your faith and given you know your promise as a boxer as well, and your promise as someone who can connect with the youth, and uh, you know you can you can put across your message through boxing and use that as a way to connect with people. Are you optimistic about the future? Am I optimistic about the future? I am uh, in the future in terms of what, my man, in terms of what the future holds collectively uh, in society or, or my own future? Both. Okay. Uh, collectively, I believe that we are coming into really, really challenging tough times. I do believe that. Uh, so I know that tough times lie ahead. However, I believe that an eternity of bliss awaits. So I have, I have no fear in my heart or no uh, room for any any uh doubt or any darkness i've not but optimism or heart in that sense um and also with someone who has ocd and still has intrusive thoughts however i've been healed from the negative feelings that would come hand in hand with that i've been healed of anxiety and healed of, i've been healed i've been completely healed um but one of the worst things about ocd was always worst case scenario thinking always about everything which made even the good times in life difficult to enjoy so typically, I've never been an optimist. Well, I can remember my father always having an issue with that as a child. You know, the glass always half empty with you, and he was right at the time. Uh, but I am optimistic in a sense where I know that God has plans to prosper me and not to harm me, and uh, He is at the wheel. Uh, this is His plan, not mine. And uh, I'm just going along with it, working hard, keep my head down, do my best to stay out of trouble, do my best to not be um, still making mistakes and, and, and being an idiot essentially uh, a lot like put do my best to minimize the damage and just uh place my 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 control and my destiny in his hands so that's that a very optimistic and safe safe feeling and i know that like i said he has plans to pass for me people in sports uh footballers you know gaelic footballers hurlers rugby players etc etc boxers in particular can be uh superstitious animals and obviously sometimes i suppose lay people ordinary people would often attributes OCD symptoms to superstitions as well, which is, isn't right. accurate. And that's a different question I want to ask you. Like, does it, does it upset you or frustrate you as someone who suffers from OCD to, to hear the, the term thrown around by people 
uh, oh, oh yeah. I'm so OCD, you know, it's like because I like the, the milk to be facing the right way in the fridge, just kind of nonsense. That must be frustrating. So I'll ask that first. Is that is that something that upsets you as someone who genuinely suffers? I'm from used this? to it. Yeah. I'm used to it a little bit, man. And I'm like, honestly, I just I don't get it, get into it with people. If you look into the real minds and the real life of OCD, it is not a turn to be thrown out. Like, I, I firmly believe that it is because like depression, it is an anxious uh, it's an anxiety disorder. You're constantly in a state of anxiety, but the depression uh, and things that come with it, I honestly like OCD is just man. It, it it is it is torturous. Like so, when people throw that term around, it can be frustrating. However, I'm used to it, you know, and I know that even people that don't have maybe a, a diagnosis or don't have a, a specific disorder, life is so hard today, man. It really is so hard. We have a housing crisis. We have inflation that is not short of unmanageable, and we have bleakness as we have difficulty at every turn so whether people have a diagnosis or not i understand that they're hurting and it's uh although it can be frustrating that's it's up to me to to deal with that yeah i'll go back to the way i was actually the, the place i was going when i started asking the question before i hit a hit a divot and went the wrong way but um did did your ocd specifically affect your boxing did you pick up any kind of habits that you had to do to enter a ring to enter a fight oh, i must uh, do this 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 Oh yeah, man. Yeah, it just it affected me in a state of like, in a sense of just the inability to focus for a fucking round on the bag, the inability to to shadow box or to do anything without intrusive thoughts and being in a state of anxiety, the inability to keep my mind calm prior to a fight. All these things, man. It was just it, it, if to affect how you pressure situations like boxing one hundred percent because it affected situations like. You couldn't read the newspaper on the toilet without being affected. So if a high-pressure situation, like boxing, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're just back from a sparring session. We'll talk boxing again. I appreciate you opening up and being so honest and educational about the, the OCD that you've suffered. And it, it, it does sound tough. And I'm glad, you, I'm glad you found a way to manage it. And uh, I'm glad you're optimistic about the future as well. We'll, we'll talk about boxing. You've just come back from a sparring session with uh, the hammer. Paddy McCrory. Yeah. Not many yeah. better ways to prepare for a fight. Paddy McCrory is uh, firing on all cylinders and he, he's at a level that ideally, you know, you'd love to reach one day. How, how did you hang in there? How did you find how did you find it go? How did you find it went? I'm just I'm, 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 I gotta be honest, I'm so fond of the guy, man. He's a he's a cool character, so humble. And I just the, the ability to go and work with him, man, he's just I'm delighted. Just he's uh, I think he's like I said, man, I believe that he's a he's he's a Belfast legend, man, and he's going to be like a Hall of Famer. He's a true great. Like if you ask me, a domestic great, and just uh, enjoy myself tonight. I believe that he will end up a great. He's an IBO world champion, so that, that's pretty great. And I just like I said, fond of the guy and grateful to share the ring with him, and that'll be a great walk to see. Yeah, I'm looking at the rankings here. Do you consider yourself primarily a light heavyweight or a super middleweight? Because I've got the rankings. Probably a super middle, to be honest. Like yeah. probably a super middle. I can make it handy, like. You've got a uh, heady in the rankings, obviously in the Irish rankings, and, and it's, this is just boxer. They're not the real. They're not the real rankings. We know, but you know, you've got Tony Brown's in there. You've got a rematch with Robbie Burke, but up at light heavyweight, there's maybe fighting out of the states. There's Thomas O'Toole and Joe Ward. Maybe they'll they'll hit a different um, path to you. But then there's the likes of in Dublin, John Carpenter, a bit inactive at the minute. Tommy Hyde fighting out of the USA. He's coming back to Ireland to, to box soon. It's Crown in the rematch. There's lots of different. Um, possibilities out there for someone like you who's willing to take on anybody put the record on the line and uh, entertain and go for a war you're willing to take risks uh, any fights out there appeal to you I know the Cronin one is probably the one that's dominating all thoughts at the minute 
yeah, one at a time, mate. One at a time. I yeah. win this. The world is my oyster. I win this. I got a few other things I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing soon in terms of expressing myself, in terms of spreading my message. But uh one step at a time, I gotta beat this guy. Um yeah, I need this man. Like I said, I'm twenty eight, I only fighted at started fighting after twenty two after graduating from college. And this is my this is my chance at really like look at Party McCrory, he did it the hard way. I'm doing it the hard way. And this is my chance at establishing a real mission plan, a real business plan. I get my European ranking, taking a foot off the pedal, maybe maybe acquiring a uh, one fight where I can work on my game, whatever, and then going after some big, big things. It's all about this fight. Man. So, so I don't care about any other name or, or himself at the minute. So you've got other plans other than boxing as well. You said like ways to spread your message, but obviously, you know, you've been an English teacher, I think, in your life as well. You know, you've, You've spoken at the church. You, you might be getting a bigger involvement there. Uh, done your podcast. What what other irons have you got in the fire here? Um, I actually just want to. I'll, I'll let my. Uh, I don't want to talk about it actually until after this fight, my man. But maybe if you want to, if you want to give me a shout after yeah. the fight, I'll give you the exclusive. I'm enjoying this. You're a good interviewer. I'm enjoying this. Happy days. I'll, I'll finish up here just after your last fight, and you gave him a shout out at the start of the uh, the interview. Your trainer Sean Kelly said. Uh, I've never been so emotionally involved in a result as I was last night. Jamie Morrissey, you are the man. There's a, there's a journey taking place and uh, I believe it's an emotional one for everybody. Yeah, man. Uh, look, you know, as I said before on, on uh, Live 95 back in Limerick, uh, I'm proud to be working with Sean. I'm proud he was a great friend of Kevin Sheehan. I'm proud of everything that I represent. I'm proud to have worked with Robert N.G., who now houses, my, my old high boxing coach, houses every pro boxing early in the city. And I'm just, uh, yeah, man, it, it, it's it, like, it, it's emotional. I love my team. I love my city. I love all the people I represent. And like Sean's, I'm, I, I was Sean's, like me and Graham, we were the first pros there. And I suppose there's something cool about, about my situation where he took, he took, uh, in truth, if you ask me, I wasn't a skilled kickboxer. I have good heart and I'm, and I'm big. So I was grinding out wins, but he took a, a raw kickboxer and made him a, so far, double domestic champion. So we've another shot at the third belt. And with the hell, we got to keep making history, man. So um, I appreciate those comments over him. But I love working with the guy. I have good chemistry with Sean. I probably think too much. He's probably a bit more of a, a quicker thinker. I don't want to say he thinks less, but maybe he does. But we have a, we have a good uh, a good chemistry. I really get along with the guy. And uh, there's no limits for us. The world's our oyster. We're going to continue to push on. Those lifers, like... Uh... Martin Donovan as well and the boys like they're, they're instinctive do you know what I mean it comes from the it comes from the muscles it comes from the heart you're maybe a bit more uh, analytical and you're looking ahead you've got the you've got the degree you're thinking and and you know you've got all these thoughts th- down the line but the, these boys are just they're lifers they're boxing since since the crib absolutely. effectively so it's a it's a good mix unfair absolutely unfair not to mention Google Martin Donovan what he's done for my game uh, really fond of Martin and my manager Ian Gochran the proof is in the pudding like if you if you're if you're serious about 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 your boxing and you're starting out and you want to make you want to move quick, this man, get your three and all, get your four and all, he'll get you a shot. Like so get on to the man. Yeah, um well look, we're not called the Rocky Road podcast for for nothing. Uh, no boxer gets to the top without overcoming absolutely ton loads of adversity. And it sounds like, you know, you're on the same journey. Um to look from the outside, it's all it's all been sweetness and light. Five and oh, you know what I mean? Fight fights everybody, wins, wins on the road, getting the fighting Galway next time in a big rematch. But it sounds like you know it's been a struggle outside the ring, but um, you know, your performances are credit to the inside it. 
thank you, my man. And thank you for your time. I really, it was a great interview, man, to be honest. And I enjoy your challenge and interview and I enjoy an insightful one. So that was brilliant. So thank you for your time, man. Jamie Morrissey, thank you very much for joining us on the Rocky Road. Uh, folks, tune in again next week. 